So I got a question for you. We're going to start off with a question. Is that, can we start with a question today? Have any of you ever been so fed up and tired you want to quit? Work, school, family, church. I mean, fed up. I'm going to be honest. I've been there. It's like, did, 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 did I miss God and what he told us to do with this church thing? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, it's hard. I, I've had the conversations. Ask her. Because it's hard. But today, I want to talk about something. And the title of this message is this. Don't quit. Wait. Don't quit. Wait. Look what Galatians says. I'm going to go to Galatians. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. By the way, if you don't know, our kids, 3W Kids, is right now in a series titled Sweets. And they're learning about the fact that the word of God is sweet. Okay? So there is a challenge in our kids' ministry, and they're going to get a prize. Whoever does it is going to get a prize to learn the 66 books of the Bible. So parents, I challenge you, Kazuntite, I challenge you to learn it along with them. Use your car rides, use your stuff to practice with them. We put a video the other day, we're doing it with the girls, right? And we're learning it. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. That's all the first and second. And I keep going. I learned the whole Old Testament already. I'm good. But they're going to get, we are, we're going to reward them as they know it. They're going to get a prize. So challenge them, help them learn it, and learn it along with them. Amen? Train them. In the ways of the Lord, I'm sidetracking again, but I'll go back to it. Say there in Galatians. I say this all the time. Training requires effort. We had a prayer seminar yesterday. My girls were here. Alexandra and, uh, Alexandra and Abigail sat right there in the front row. And I will tell you that some of you that are here, if you look at Abigail's notes, they might, she, they might have put you to shame. Like she told us all the points that Pastor Jose shared. He shared nine points on what it is to live uh, the blessings that have a life of, that a prayer, life of prayer have. When we got in the car, I was like, Abigail, what did you learn? She said, can I read you my notes? It's like, sure. And she starts telling us the nine things. And then she says, and I wrote down all the verses. And she's like, Jeremiah 33, 3. And all the verses. I'm like, what? Like, Alexandra would get up and go to the back where my mom was sitting. It's like, how do you spell this? Because she's in kindergarten. So she doesn't know how to spell it yet, you know, but she's trying. Training requires effort. So when you get home, when you pick up your kids from, kids from kids children's church, ask them, what did you learn about? What did the teacher talk about? It will allow you to know what's going on, number one. Number two, if something didn't get fully internalized, they didn't understand it completely, you'll be able to tell them about it. If you didn't know that story, you're going to learn about it. Go home and read about it and then talk about with it so that they can have a higher retention. Because we are building an army of warriors for Christ. That's what we believe in. Amen? People talk all the time about the fact that 
most teenagers leave the gospel, they leave church, not if they're rooted, which is why we here at 3W, we believe that our youth is important and critical. Our youth serve in many areas of ministry. They are involved and plugged in. Why? Because as they grow up, they are already part of the family. So ask your kids, amen? All right, now we're going to return to our regular scheduled broadcast. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 6. Watch. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. I mean, that we can go off right there. God sees you. Even though when you think you can't be seen, he sees you. What? He says, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reach corru- reap corruption. But he who sows of the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Verse 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I'm going to read it in the message translation. Can you throw that one up for me real quick, please? This is how it says it in the message Bible. All right. Ralph told me it was ready. My bad. I, I, I thought, okay. All right. In the message translation, it literally says, don't get tired. Don't grow tired. It's easy to get tired. And you know when it's easy to get tired? When things aren't going well. When everything is good, it's calm, it's fine. It's easy to believe then. It's easy to sing, I know, breakthrough is coming, by faith, I see a miracle. Yeah, it's easy when everything is good. Now, when things are not going that good, how's our reaction then? How do we respond at that moment? Because that's the true test of your metal. You test metal, you trust precious metals through fire, don't you? That's the true test. So look what Micah says. Yes, there's a book in the Bible named Micah. It's right after Obadiah and Jonah. Micah chapter 7, verse 7. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Watch one more time. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. The word wait in the original language is the word yakal. Don't try to repeat it. It's okay if you don't know it. Just tell you what it is. The first time we see that word in the Bible is in Genesis when Noah builds the ark and is in the ark and it rains for 40 days. 
And after it stops raining and the waters begin to reside, he opens the window and he sends out a dove. You remember that? The dove goes out, flies around, doesn't find anywhere to land, so it flies back in, and then it says that Noah waited seven days, sent the bird out again. Wait is to have an expectation, trust, patient, remain in anticipation. Noah knew that if God warned him of a flood and he built a boat, there was no boats back then. He built a boat to God's specifications and it floated when the waters raised. He knew he was expectant with anticipation that if God told him, he wasn't going to leave him in the boat forever. He waited. Here in Micah, he said, I will look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. Do you know that wherever you look, you end up going? Right? You're trying to walk a straight line and you look that way. And before you know it, you're, you know, falling off. You're driving and you look the other way. You're going to waver and a cop's going to pull you over in suspicion of drunk driving. That happened to me one time because I was falling asleep. Got pulled over. And the guy's like, do you know why I pulled you over? He's like, no idea. He's like, just checking if you're drunk because, you know, you were wavering a little bit. It was like midnight, been driving all day long. And as soon as he saw me, he was like, no, 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 I can tell you're not. But then he ran my license and he said, David Perez stepped out of the vehicle. Because there's a David Perez with my same date of birth and same description, 5'9", white male who was wanted and uh, had sit in the back of the squad car for about an hour till they figured out it wasn't me. It's a fun story. Then Dade County rejected me from being able to be a, 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 a volunteer in the schools. They said I had, a, I had arrest workers and all kinds of stuff. I was like, yo, it ain't me. Uh, but then we got it cleared up straight away. Don't have it. Okay. Any which way. He says, I look to the Lord. The psalmist wrote, I look up to the hills from whence my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. So it says, I look to the Lord. I wait expectant. You know what's the opposite of this? Here's what the opposite is. When we try to help God. No one knew how to wait. Abraham and Sarah, Genesis 15 through 17, they tried to help God. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I got, but when? You know, biological clock is ticking. When's it going to happen? Sarah's like, you know what? God said it. Maybe we got to help him out. Why don't you go sleep with my maid? And maybe through her, the blessing will come. And due to that decision, I mean, we're still facing that today. That consequence of trying to help God. I mean, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand now, but I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I've tried to help God sometimes in my life. It's never worked. Because Proverbs tells you, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. Trust in the Lord. I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. But we get tired of waiting. I said this yesterday in the prayer seminar. Sometimes 
We want to microwave a meal that only comes out good when it's in the oven. We want it quick. We pray about something and we give God 24 hours, just like we gave the teacher that we emailed from our kid's teacher, right? Emailed them and 24 hours they haven't emailed back. We're like, oh, write another one. They forgot. Like we ask God for something and it hasn't happened in 22 minutes and it's like, he's not listening. I just got to figure out another thing. Got to wait. With expectancy. What does this word mean? It means to wait with anticipation. What are we to expect? We're to expect God's mercy. That's what this word implies. We are to expect his salvation. We are to expect his rescue. His mercy, his salvation, his rescue. Don't quit. Wait. You know who in the Bible had every human right or reason to quit? In my opinion, Joseph. Joseph. Every right. Let's go to Genesis. We're going to hop around Genesis. We're going to start in verse, in chapter uh, 37. This is where the story of Joseph starts. Chapter 37, verse 2. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Billah and the sons of Zuppah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. We hear of Joseph starting at the age of 17. Now, I'm going to stay there for a second because I want you to get that, 17. Now, what happens in his story? We're not going to read it all because the story of Joseph starts there in chapter 37. It goes all the way through the end of Genesis. And then he even gets mentioned in the book of Exodus chapter 1 when it says that there rose a pharaoh or a king, a ruler in Egypt, who did not know who Joseph was, right? That's the last time we hear of him chronologically in that time period. He gets mentioned again in Hebrews later and different things. But anyways, you can read it later with calmness. But I'm going to give you the cliff note version. He has a dream that he sees these different things bowed down. And he goes and he tells his brother, I just had a dream that I was out in the fields and everything bowed down. Whoa, bowed down to me. And his brother's like, what are you talking about? We're going to bow down to you? Who do you think you are? See, Joseph already had something going against him. It was the fact that he was his father's favorite. Parents, you're not supposed to have favorites. God doesn't have favorites. He loves us all. It's all, right? His brothers already envied him because he was his father's favorite. Bible is very clear to describe it. It says that his father, Jacob, actually made him a tunic of many colors so that when people would see him, they would know who Joseph was, right? So he tells his dream to his brothers, and then the brothers mock him. They're like, who do you think you are, you dreamer? They start telling him all kinds of stuff. And then he has a second dream that even the sun and the moon bow down to him. So he tells them all the story again. That his parents were also going to bow down to him. And, he, and, and they're all like, what are you talking about? So they envied him. They hated him. So one day he's walking to them because his dad sent them to the fields where they were uh, uh, doing the sheep or whatever. They were in Do- Dothan. So he starts going to Dothan, and his brothers see him. And they're like, here comes this dreamer. What do we make of him? Let's kill him. So as he gets closer, 
Reuben, one of his older brothers, says, let's not kill him. You know, let's, let's throw him in the cistern. Let's throw him in the well. Let's throw him somewhere. And, and he did this because his plan was that when his brothers dispersed, he would grab him and take him back to Jacob, rescuing his brother. But you know what happened when he went away? His brother saw a tribe of Ishmaelites come by, and it says that some Midianites, which were part of the Ishmaelites, come up to him and they, did, and they say, why are we going to just kill him? Let's sell him and at least make a little bit of money. Let's have a yard sale. And so they sell him. So here's Joseph, right? 17 years old, has these dreams, betrayed by his brothers, mocked by his brothers, thrown in this cistern, sold to these traitors, Ishmaelite traitors, the Midianite traitors. They keep going and they go to Egypt and they find Potiphar and they sell him a second time to Potiphar. And in Potiphar's house, I mean, can you agree Joseph was probably a little down? Look what it says, right? I want to tell you what it says. Go to chapter 39. Verse number two says, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him and made him overseer of the house and all that he had put under his authority. Verse number two again, the Lord was with Joseph. Church, can I tell you something? Even in the pit, even when you're down, God is still with you. So if his life wasn't bad enough, He's there, second in command of Potiphar's house. Many of you know the story. He's doing all the work, and he was a handsome young man. So Potiphar's wife is like, ooh, he looked good. I want me some of that. So the Bible says that every day, every day, she would go to him and say, come lie with me. Hey, come sleep with me. Come be with me. And Joseph would be like, nah, nah, nah. It says that he told her, my master, your husband, made me in charge of everything. I, he doesn't even know what money he has in the bank account. I manage it all. The only thing I can't touch is you. And then it says that one day he went into the house to do his work, and there was nobody else there. That's another huge biblical principle. Never be alone with somebody of the opposite sex. That ain't your spouse. Don't put yourself in that situation. Just don't put yourself there. Because you know what happened the day that he walked in and nobody else was there? She came full force. Come on. Nobody's here. Nobody will know. Let's go. Grabbed his cloak and he ran out and left her with the robe in their hand. So you know what she said? Joseph tried to rape me. Started telling everybody. Potiphar got back to the house. Your Hebrew slave that you brought into this house. Look what he did. And I have his robe. I can prove it. And you know what they did with Joseph? To the prison. But look what the Bible says. In verse number 21. 
But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Remember, remember, wait on the Lord because we expect mercy. So the Lord showed him mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed Joseph, Joseph and all of the prisoners. The prisoner was running the jail. But again, that wasn't a dream, was it? That wasn't the calling. That wasn't what God told them. Years have passed from being 17. It's been years. He's in his 20s now. He's in prison. And then Pharaoh has a falling out with his cupbearer and baker. And they throw them in the jail. And one day they each have a dream. And they're trying to figure it out. So they say the dream. And the, the, the cupbearer says to Joseph, I had this dream. There's, there, there was this cup. There was these three branches in the cup. And I don't know what it means. And, and, and Joseph says, it's very simple. God says that the three branches are three days. And that in three days, Pharaoh is going to restore you to your position of cupbearer. Let me tell you what a cupbearer was. A cupbearer was a person that tried everything before Pharaoh to ensure that it wasn't poisonous and he didn't die. So based on history, the cupbearer had a lot of influence with the Pharaoh because they were always with him. Everything they went to eat, they would try. So Joseph says to him, right? He tries to help God. He's like, yo, dude, when Pharaoh restores you, remember me. Tell Pharaoh about me. Tell Pharaoh about me. Come on, all right? Then he tells the cup, the, the, the baker, your dream ain't as good. The three things also mean three days. But the birds eating you means in three days they're going to hang you and the birds of the air are going to eat you. And three days later came and that happened. But you know what the Bible says that the cupbearer did? It literally says, he forgot about Joseph. Man, Joseph was down on his luck, as we would say it. Just down on my luck. Nothing's going my way. Everything's frustrating. Everything, nothing works. I'm just going to give up. And then Pharaoh has a dream, two dreams. And he goes to all his magicians. He goes to all the people. He's like, tell me what this dream is. Nobody can figure it out. And at that precise moment, the cupbearer says, ah, Pharaoh, man, my bad. In the prison, there was a prisoner who was in charge of the whole prison, and he had this relationship with this God guy. He was a Hebrew, and, and God tells him how to interpret dreams. He interpreted my dream, and it came to pass. And remember the baker that you took his life? Yeah, that guy had a dream too. He told it to him. Maybe he can. So they bring Joseph to him. And Pharaoh's like, this is my dream. Joseph's like, hey, it's two dreams because God wanted to let you know that this is happening for real. The seven fat calves is the, or seven fat cows is seven years of great luxury and lots of crops. And the seven skinny cows is going to be seven years of famine. And the skinny cows eating the fat cows means that in those seven years of famine, we're going to lose everything. So you got to appoint a wise person to rule and make sure that we're ready for those seven bad years, right? So watch this. Look at this next verse now. I highlighted it in my Spanish Bible and I forgot it in my English Bible to highlight it. Verse 37, chapter 41. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to the servants, can we find such a one as this 
a man in whom is the spirit of God. And so he made Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. You know how old Joseph was at that time? 30 years old. So how old was he when we were introduced to him? He was 17. At 30, after being thrown in a cistern, sold twice, accused of rape falsely, forgotten by the jailer, finally gets exalted at 30. But you know he didn't see the full blessing there yet. No, no, no. Because what was coming first seven years of good stuff. So seven more years passed by. means at this point he's 37. 20 years have passed since the dream. But he's waiting patiently. He's waiting with expectation. He's waiting for God to show mercy. He's waiting for God to show salvation. He's waiting for God to show rescue. And his family gets hungry in the famine. And his father says, man, Egypt's got grain. Go. So they all go. And they don't know it's Joseph. It's been 20 years. I mean, have you seen somebody that you knew at 17 and when they're 37? They don't look the same. Most times. And when they tell you, ah, está igualito. Bueno, son mentirosos. People tell me that, well, you look the same. No, I don't. I weigh about 74 pounds more than I did when I was 17. Y cuidado. So they don't recognize Joseph. So Joseph sells them grain. And then he sends them on their way, but he sends somebody after them and he, 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 he kind of planted this thing in there. I don't know if he was being in the flesh, like I need to get back at them, right? And so they find some of the stuff and they're like, you stole this, right? And so they bring the brothers back and like, no, we didn't, we never would. And he's like, do you have a father? Do you have a brother? Yeah, we have a younger brother. All this stuff is like, bring me back your younger brother. I want to meet your younger brother. That's his brother from same mom and dad. And he wanted to see him. They're like, no, okay, whatever. So then when they find the stuff, they get the brother Simeon and they throw him in jail. And the brothers go back and they tell their dad, listen, he's like, we're Simeon. You brought grain, but where's your brother? He's like, no, you know, they stuck him in the jail. But they said that if we go back, he will not see us unless we got Benjamin. And Jacob says, ah, you ain't having Benjamin. I already lost Joseph and now I lost Simeon. Forget it. I can imagine Simeon in the jail like, bro, my brothers took off and they never came back. What's up with that? Probably felt a little like Joseph when they threw him in the pit. But another two years pass. And they run out of the grain that they bought from Egypt. Time passed. They run out of the grain. So Jacob's like, go back. And they're like, we can't go unless we take back Benjamin. It ain't happening. He will not see us. And finally, they bring back, they come back with Benjamin. He treats them all well. He sends them to dine with him. He seats them all from oldest to youngest. They're like, man, this guy, he must be a, 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 a person in divination. How would he even know? They have no idea who he is. He always spoke to them through an interpreter. He was keeping it right, you know, legit, separated distance. And then he accuses Benjamin of having stolen something. And then when they're like, we can't, we can't go back without Benjamin. My dad's going to die. There's no way. He breaks down and he tells them, it's me. It's your brother, Joseph. And they're all like, what? And then you know what Joseph says? Relax. You all meant this for evil. But God sent me ahead to spare your life. And the life of many. And this is what I want to tell you this morning. Just watch, watch. God has a purpose in your life. He has a plan in your life. He has a call upon your life. 
And perhaps today you walked in at the end of your rope. You've been thrown in a pit. You've been sold as a slave. You've been accused falsely. You're like, God, this was your dream. You gave this to me. I didn't even ask you for this call. I didn't ask you for this upon my life, but you gave it to me and I'm ready to quit. Listen, at the right time, the cupbearer is going to remember. And at the right time, God is going to exalt you. And at the right time, God is going to put you and you're going to be able to look at it and say, the devil tried to destroy me, even using my brothers in Christ. But God... Oh, man, when there's a but God in your life, you meant it for this, but God? Do you remember when we were 17, when I was 17, and I told you what God said? Do you know when I knew I was called to be a pastor? At this many, eight years old. Eight years old, preached my first message. On the radio program of Pastor Jose Hernandez in the church we met the Lord in Iglesia Cristiana, La Casa del Señor, out in Opalaca. I knew it. I went to a Catholic school at that time. I went to St. Michael's, the Archangel School I went to. I played Jesus as a third grader, and, 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 and I came out in the newspaper. The whole thing is a really big Catholic church. And I remember people asking me after this. It was like, wow, like there was, you know, just acting there. There's a, there's a picture of me in the front page of the Miami Herald, you know, hanging on a cross in little white shorts or whatever. It's very embarrassing if you ever find it. Don't, don't look for it. Don't look for it. And I remember, man, I will never forget this. I remember the mom of one of my classmates. Her name was Jackie. Her mom, Jackie's mom, comes after me as we're walking and things. She's like, wow, I, God just touched me, whatever. And I looked at her as a little scrawny, wimpy. I was a little scrawny, wimpy, blonde, eight-year-old kid. And I looked at her and said, I'm going to be a pastor. I didn't become a pastor at nine in fourth grade. I knew my call. And let me be honest with you. There's been many times in my life where I look at God and be like, dude, like, you really want me to do this? Like, as a 15 and 16 year old, when I had to wear as a badge of honor that they wouldn't invite me to birthday parties, even my Christian friends from church, because they knew that if I went, they couldn't do what they were usually doing, because I was going to be like, yo, we don't do that. It's a lot of sacrifice, because here's the other part of it. We don't understand that when God calls you, there's sacrifice involved. You got to watch what you watch. You got to watch what you listen to. You got to watch what you do. This, this is a hard message, but I pray you're receiving it. Because some of you, I feel it in my spirit, man, as I've been studying this word this week. There's some of you that are at the end of your rope and ready to throw in the towel. But God says to you, don't quit, wait. Anybody, everybody know Pastor Tony Evans? Amazing man, I love Pastor Tony Evans. Been listening to him as a kid, Oakland Bible Fellowship out in Dallas, Texas. He says a story of about when he was in seminary. And he's in seminary and he's gotta get a job, so he gets a job at this bus company. And his job was to work the midnight shift, the graveyard shift, 11, a, 11 p.m. to 6 in the morning. And when buses arrived, he was one of the people that had to unload the baggage and then load the baggage for the next bus that was leaving. So when he gets there, he finds out that the employees that worked the night shift, the night shift they all had a scheme going. And it's that they would all stagger 
their break or lunchtime, right? Now it's, it's nighttime, but their lunch break. And so what they would do is they would, they, they would rotate it and say, okay, you're going to take your break at 12 and you're going to punch out, but I'm going to punch back in for you when the break ends, but you're really going to sleep till two in the morning. And then I'm going to go on my break at 11 and the other person's going to punch you in and sleep. So they were all sleeping three hours out of their eight hour shift. So they come to him. He's in seminary. Like, hey, listen, we want you to stand. This is how we run things here. So which shift do you want? And he looks at him and says, I can't do that. That's stealing. And I'm a Christian. So he thought these guys were going to be like, all right, you know, all right, no problem. No, no, no. These guys saw this like, oh, really? Okay. Don't be a part of it. So you know what they would do when the bus would arrive? And they would show up to unload the bus. They'd all take off and he would unload the buses by himself. Load the new bus by himself. All this meantime, he's still going to seminary in the morning. He's exhausted. He's having to do all the work by himself. Six months pass by, and they call him into the main manager's office. And he's like, what did I do? And they're like, we want you to know something, Mr. Evans. We know the scheme that these night shift people have going on. We've been monitoring over the last few months. We've been sending different people, and we know what's going on. But we've learned and seen two things. Number one, you've never participated in it. And number two, they all take off and leave you to do all the work. Therefore, we are promoting you to manager of the night shift and doubling your salary because you're a man of integrity. I might have quit after the third week where I got to lug all the bags. I ain't built for that. I'm like, I don't know, man. But he persisted. He continued. And then God exalted him. Don't quit. Wait. Don't quit. Wait. Don't quit. Wait. With expectation that he's going to have mercy. With expectation that he's going to bring salvation. And with expectation that he's bringing rescue. It may look like your marriage is falling apart. Don't quit. Wait. It may look like your children will never come to Christ. Don't quit. Wait. It may look like you'll never get out of the financial hole. Don't quit. Wait. It looks like you're always going to be alone. Don't quit. Wait. Don't get out of the line. Don't get out and miss your turn. Wait. Wait, because at the end of the day, the calling is his, and he chose you, and he's not going to leave you, he's not going to forsake you, he's not going to abandon you, he's just waiting for the right moment to exalt you. Don't try to do it on your own, don't try to do it on your strength, don't try to do it on your ability, don't quit! Don't quit!